All right. So uh, I guess the, the first thing that would be um, interesting to talk about, and it's something I heard about today too, is what do we do when we overhear conversations and we really want to chime in, we really want to jump in, but we weren't actually invited to that conversation. So it's like you hear it and you're like, oh, that's, oh, I got something for it, but I, I was kind of snooping on that conversation. So wouldn't it be cool if we had a spot like this where we could say, hey, I heard a student say, I heard a blank say, I heard whatever say. Uh, and then this is a space where we get to jump into that conversation. I, I like that. I'm, I'm really bad about being that guy. Um, being a technology focused guy, I'm always trying to find ways to integrate technology. And I will um, hear teachers talking like if we're waiting around on a waiver day or, or some sort of, and everyone is congregating and talking. Um, I have before now they were teachers that I, I knew, or at least, you know, they knew me, they knew who I was. Um, I, I kind of jumped in and was like, Hey, you know, they were talking about something they're going to do with their students. And I was like, that sounds awesome. But if you did this, you could do even more. And after I left, I kind of felt like a jerk because they were, you know, creating this plan for their students. And at the time I was like, I'm going to help you enhance this. But I kind of felt like I might've been overstepping my bounds right. and, uh, and being like, Hey, I can do this better, but you know, <laughs> so there's, there's a thin line, but yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I, I used to be that guy who would just jump in and then, I don't know. I, I think somebody told me that, like, you know, Mark, you're a little, you jump in too much. You're a little too abrasive. You know, maybe you just need to sit back and reflect. And I was like, okay, you know, and of course the whole time I'm like in my head thinking what I would say to them. And then I go write it down and then I forget about it by the time I see him again. <laughs> but one thing I did hear, I was, I was at a school and I heard a student say, so um, at schools, it's a little different because if I if I go visit a school, I think anybody who's not directly involved with that student, sometimes it's like I don't want to encroach on somebody's domain, right? Like I believe fully in the teacher and their classroom. That's their domain. They're the masters of their domain. Um, so when I heard the student say, well, I can't do this. It's impossible. And I heard them say impossible. And I was like, oh my gosh, like impossible? Like that's, it, it immediately made me think of this. I go to like references in my head sometimes that people are like, where did, where did that come from? And there was this old movie. I don't know if it was Pixar or Disney or who, who the animators were back then. I want to say it was the early 90s, but it was called Thumbelina. I don't know if you ever saw yeah. Thumbelina. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the weirdest little movie. But I think there was like an owl or a, a rooster or something flying around, and his like slogan was "Nothing's impossible." And so when I heard that kid say that, I wanted to be like, "Hey, like like a little cloud over the head, nothing's impossible." Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that kid would have been like, "Who's this guy? Nothing's impossible." Uh, but it did make me think about like how often um, our kids might feel that way and don't verbally say it out loud. Or how often we may feel something like that, and we just don't say it out loud. We just kind of let it soak into us. I'll, I'll tell you that I think that um, our kids think it a lot more than they say it. 
and um, and there's a lot of times where I've had open, honest conversations with students whenever I was in the classroom, and they would flat out tell me, I can't do this. And it would take me finding a path, and ultimately most of them would complete whatever it was that they were trying to do. Most of the time it was big picture college stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know, post high school stuff. And they were really worried about the the hurdles they would have to jump and they were really scared um and so you know sometimes it just takes explaining and talking about i mean i've jumped over a lot of hurdles in my life and talk about you know our own personal experiences but um i hear this more often with teachers uh where teachers you know they may not say it out loud but i can see it in their eyes saying i I can't i can't do this with the situation that i have and um, not everything is possible. It's, it's not. But there is a lot that can be said about, um, about putting in and trying and putting forth the effort. We have a lot of, I've seen a lot of fantastic teachers that will take whatever they say and they'll flat out tell you, I don't think this is going to work. But they try it. And... Um, and a lot of times, more often than not, it comes back and, and they've been successful. So how do we encourage teachers, students, everyone to to at least put forth that effort and try? Yeah, I you know, when you said that, like not everything's possible, right? Like there there's sometimes there's things that we just can't do, but if we're willing to try it, I think that's something, right? It, it makes me think of like the kind of messages that we got in like, you know, um, Schoolhouse Rock. Like it was, it was a little bit more realistic than sometimes what you see out there now where it's, you know, it was like Thumbelina, right? Like you could do anything, like you can <laughs> do anything, you know? And so you got kids who are like, absolutely. That's, I can be this fine guy and go around and just say, I can do everything. So I do think, and it's, it's kind of funny that I'm saying this because I'm, I'm a big pie in the sky kind of guy sometimes. Um, but I do think that one thing that I notice that's missing in a lot of media today is the the realistic, especially that's geared towards kids and adolescents, the the reality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, not not going out there and saying, Hey, you're gonna fail. <laughs> but when you are presented with something that you can't do, here's what you can do. Like where's the Sesame Street for us today. Like I think Sesame Street is still on the air, but it is. My kids uh, love it. So yeah, but like for the older kids, kids in maybe middle school or high school, are there really any programs that give them something realistic that they can latch onto and say, okay, yeah, I mean, this is this is real. This is who I am, and this is some of the things that I deal with. And I don't, I don't know if there is. Yeah, I, I really don't. Um... I don't know that they have a resource like that like we did. I mean, we are their resource is what it's turning out to be. Um, and and being able to show them what what they can do. One of my favorite, I, I think I've told you this before, one of my favorite videos ever is the Escalator video. Um, and I, I don't know if you've yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah, you told me that, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, they, they the escalator stops and the guy just goes, hey, is anybody going to help us instead of, and I show that to the kids and they go, why didn't he just walk up the stairs? And I, and, you know, when I talk to them and I've shown it to teachers as well and say, well, when you hit a wall here, what did you do? And they're like, oh, man, I, I, I stood on the escalator. And so um, I use that. Uh, I mean, I probably show that video to someone every week. And, um, and, and it, it really helps 
open your mind about what is possible and how we think because we all hit a wall. And I know I've been guilty of, no, that's not going to work. Um, and I shut down, mm-hmm. you know? And so we all have to work towards finding ways to um, overcome that worry and, and that thought that, hey, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I think that blends in well to something you were telling me earlier about how do we develop ourselves? How do we find videos like that that we can use? And like, what is it that we do for ourselves to improve and and move forward in our in our work and what we do other than just stumbling on something, right? Like, how do we do that? I think that's a pretty good segue into that. Yeah, I think that's something that's important for a lot of our teachers and, um, you know, they love their jobs. They have been, some of them have been doing their job for um, a while and they're very, very good at it, but there's always growth that can, that can happen. And um, I know when I was in the classroom, I got into a habit of this is what I do and I kind of once I had it fixed and my classroom was running like a machine, you know, I could leave every day at four o'clock in the afternoon and get home and it didn't require a whole lot of extra work. And we want teachers to, to be able to be relaxed and not be stressed and not have to work too much. At the same time, we also want um, to encourage growth and encourage new, new challenges. And we have a lot of that with a lot of the coaching that's going on, we see that. Um, I, I see teachers that have been around for a while working with these coaches and growing, and they're very excited about it, and they keep coming back for more and more and more. But if those coaches aren't available, where do I te- where do our teachers go? Where where do we go? Where you know, um, in our positions or anyone in in education, what? How do we grow as a professional? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. And when I think about what I do, so writing is definitely one thing that I do. It's kind of like I, I spill out all those things that I have been thinking about, all the conversations I didn't jump into, all the little random wonderings. And so I write them down and, and then I kind of think about where can I find answers for some of these wonderings. And I'm a notorious Googler, right? Like I'll go on Google and I'm the one that probably factors into their like top searches of 2018, you know, like I can't remember. I think the other day, what did I, I can't remember what I searched like a, so I didn't have, I didn't have a rake. Like I don't have a rake for some reason. Like I just, I never needed one. And so there was all of these leaves outside of my house. And I'm sure like if I just gave it more time, I would have figured it out. But I was like, no, I need Google. So I go on Google and I'm like, how do you get leaves with no rake? Like it was the most <laughs> dumb sounding way that I could put it on Google and Google delivered. They're like, there was like articles and all of these things about how to get leaves with no rake. And I was like, who, like who knew that this is what I needed? So I, don't, I mean, Google's a big one for me. Um, but I also like to, um, and I know you do it as well, Twitter. You know, we've oh, talked man. about that before. But that's it's a huge. I check it every single day now, and I get strategies that I see from people that I follow, and it's it's huge. I mean, it would have changed my teaching career, and I know we've mentioned this last time, but it really would have changed the way that I taught because of the all of the ideas and all the ways that we can grow 
just by listening to the the Twitter talks and the slow chats and all that. Yeah, and so okay, so my thing is, um, Twitter is social media. Social media has a connotation that can be negative, especially when you're talking about social media and in my world, in secondary students, um, it can have a negative connotation and teachers are scared of it. Uh, I want to work with teachers and have, and help them like create classroom Twitter accounts where students could create tweets in a Google form, um, that would have a, uh, a character limit. So you would make sure that, you know, it would fit in where you needed it and then they would submit it and the teacher would ultimately be the one posting it from the, hmm. the teacher account. But the students are the one actually coming up with the content. And I've been trying to, to find someone to be able to do this, but, um, yeah. but teachers are, are scared of social media. How do we fix that? Because I show them what I do on Twitter, and I've gotten quite a few teachers to join Twitter. Um, and I've gotten quite a few to join and make it a part of their world, and they're running and gunning with it. Just like somebody got me started, and I just ran with it, and it's my favorite thing now. Yeah. Um, so what can we do to help more educators see the value in it? You know, I think one thing that we can do, and it's at least for me on my end, I've never actually included it in a presentation before, like where I've had to get up there and, you know, present to coaches or other teachers or principals or what have you. Like it's, there's a structure that's in place. You follow that structure. There's a protocol. You follow that protocol. But one thing I haven't done really is just like kind of thrown up things on Twitter and be like, you know, this is a question comes up in the audience and I'm like, you know what, instead of us answering this question in the audience, I want, I'm put it on Twitter real quick, right? Let's see if we can find something out. It's probably out there. Um, but let's see what we get, you know? And I think as a presenter, there's a little bit of hesitation to not want to do that because it's like, Oh, there's dead space. And there's, you know, like you're turning away from the audience and it's just, but I do think it's about taking chances sometimes doing things out of the ordinary. Um, to see what it could do. And I, and I think that's how we can help teachers is if we show them actually taking those chances in front of, uh, you know, them, I think that could be one way. That's awesome. That's a great idea of doing something live and putting it out there. And then once they see the responses, they see the power of right. it, you know? Um, I, I think that's, that's an amazing idea. We need to start doing that. Yeah. Have y'all not, like, does that not come up when you, I'm sure like when y'all do presentations on social media or Twitter, I'm sure they come up, but like on something else, like if you were talking about, you know, like a podcast or something, you know? Yeah. I bring up a lot. Like, we've been doing a lot of Google trainings and um, I will almost always bring up some of my favorite people like uh, Jake Miller is a great guy, makes um, GIFs or GIFs, however you decide oh. to say it. Um, uh, about how to use different Google tools in the classroom. 
And it's a phenomenal resource for people to have. And so at the end of my trainings, we show them uh, a place where our folks have put together this amazing resource of all these tools where teachers can do some personalized learning. But I also will say, hey, check out this guy's Twitter feed. And I'll scroll through it and I'll go to Alice Keeler and I'll go to, you know, Matt Miller and, um, and show them those people who will... Uh, who they can learn from every single day. And, uh, and that has opened some eyes, but it, it sometimes it kind of takes one more step. They go, oh, that's, Twitter can do that. That's really cool. Um, but then I, I, I'm not able to follow up. Um, maybe I'm not able to. I just haven't. And so I need to. Maybe that's my step is I need to follow up with these people and say, hey, I know you took an interest. What, what can I do to help? Yeah, follow through is huge. I know that's one thing that we hear a lot of in reflection sheets that we get back is, you know, I feel like you you give me this great information and then it's like, see you next year, right? Or see you next topic. So um, yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, in fact, I went to a training that y'all did on on TweetDeck and like I had been using Twitter a little bit, but then that upped, upped the ante a little bit. Yeah. And so I think it's it's one of those things where even when you think you know something, it's like, okay, but wait, well, let me come just give you another little piece. And then you're like, oh, man, you know, like it's what's next, you know. But I also think part of that is like burnout, right? Like teachers are, they're burnout. Yeah. Um, we're sometimes we're burnout. So how do you, how do you find positivity I guess that's a good question. How do you find positivity when you are burnout? You know, like in in the workday. Because I mean, when we get home, when we, we can be with our family, can be with our friends, and, and do things. But we're in the work week, and you know, we have a job to do, we have a task to do. But there's something to be said about morale. Like there's something to be said of how heavy that in, that impacts the work that people do. At least I think so. And I'm sure there's research out there to support it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually was in a meeting this morning with a teacher. Uh, where we're trying to, you know, build a build a, a program, and um, he said, my number one request is that from all angles, everyone involved, we just bring in positivity at all levels. Uh, as long as we are talking positive about what we're doing, then we're going to have a good outcome. We have a better chance for that outcome. We see that when we talk about creating presentations, you know, don't tell them that, Hey, this is a three hour training and I only have 45 minutes. Uh, you know, talk about, bring some positivity in, into it. And, and I think that that can help quite a bit on that front of just find the positive, because if we do, and most of the time, the positive is the kids, you know, yeah, uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes for these kids. And so, that's that's what kind of drives you but you're right we can get burnout we all do there are days where we just don't it's not it's we're not in it full fully and so we have to kind of work to avoid that and uh and having fun at our job is the biggest and easiest way to do it and so the more we can create projects like like this i love this and yes. i love a lot of the collaboration stuff that we do and the more we collaborate and communicate with our colleagues and with everyone, I think the better off everyone is. Absolutely. 100%. Um, of course, it's one of those things where it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. 
it's much easier said than done. I mean, there's a lot of uh, restrictions in our workday that we, yeah. you know, you have to overcome. So that almost makes me think of, I was, I think it was a couple of days ago, um, a teacher was saying, I don't want to speak out because I'm afraid I'll be the squeaky wheel, right? I don't want to share my thoughts, share my feelings, because I'm afraid that I'll be treated differently. I'm afraid that it, it won't be the same kind of work environment. But to me, it's like one of those things where in any organization, I feel like if, like I understand there's only so many hours in a day. There's a, there's a lot of things that have to be done. But at the same time, if we get to the point where we say, I don't want to hear your opinions. I don't want to hear your feelings. They're just taking up time. Then can we be so surprised that there's teacher burnout? Can we be so surprised that there's hesitation in trying new things if a teacher or anybody can't feel confident enough to say, you know, like that teacher said, I don't think this is going to work, but I'm willing to try it, mm -hmm. right? How how do we build that? Like, how do we, to me, the, the biggest thing that I think every district needs in education is to empower their teachers. So how can we better empower our teachers? I, uh, I was telling you earlier, uh, I am a huge fan of conference style professional development. Um, it's difficult because we all have our jobs to do and we all have to do certain things. And a, a lot of people are responsible for the direction of the district and schools and, you know, for our students and we're all doing the best we can. But at the same time, um, we can empower our teachers by giving them access to the planning process by being a part of trainings. I love when we have some of my favorite professional developments when I was in the classroom was my department would create a, um, I don't know if you can hear my daughter screaming in the background or not. Um, are, <laughs> uh, they would create a day where they would reach out to all these teachers a couple of weeks ahead of time and have 25 teachers. We had a large, large department have 25 sure. teachers present and say, you know, what are you doing in the next month? What's a really cool assignment that you're doing in the next month? Um, and they would present that assignment and teachers would go see it and go, wow, you know, even if I don't teach the same subject, I can take what they're doing and apply it to my content. Um, some of it was technology. Some of it was a lot of the avid strategies are so exciting. You know, um, Socratic seminars, philosophical chairs, all of that stuff is, is so much fun. And so empowering those teachers by making them a part of the process itself right. and helping them dictate what is going out to um, to their peers, to their colleagues, I think is is huge, huge, um, and it's helpful for everybody. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, I think the I think the thing that we run into the most as we start to empower teachers is how often, in whatever dynamic it is, how often is one side of that dynamic also empowered. So if I'm going to empower teachers, how often am I empowered? And how often is the person who's working with me empowered? You know, and so like, where's that line that says empowerment stops here? Good luck to everybody on this side. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because at the same time, we all, I mean, our district hires the experts mm-hmm. to come in and train our teachers, the, our coaches, our, our coordinators, our content directors, they, they are the experts. And so, you know, uh, you're right. It, it is though those people's job to train everyone and, and they need to be empowered just as much as the teachers need to, because they are just at risk of burnout as teachers are, even though they're not in the classroom every single day. Right. So, so how there, where's the balance? You're right. Where's that middle ground of this side's empowered and this side is as well. So where, where can we find that fit to kind of work together? Um, and that's, that's the question of the day of the year of, of forever, um, for making this work correct, correctly. Right. You know, and I know there's, there's, there's probably people out there and maybe some of our listeners, um, I say our listeners, cause I assume there's hundreds Tons. and hundreds Tons. of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I say that I'm sure there's some people that think, um, well, you you got to empower yourself. Like if it's if it's no one's empowering you, then you get out there and you empower yourself and, and read a book and read a positivity book and or whatever you got to do, you know. And and I can understand where that argument's coming from, but I do think I think there's only so much that an individual can do by themselves, right? I mean, it goes back to that realistic thing, right? Like I yeah. I can't have somebody come up to me and say everything's possible, right? And not really believe it myself. Like, I mean, I can, you can give me five self-help books, but if I'm still not really believing it in here, then, then you know, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and it's, there's not a, a, a perfect answer on that one, unfortunately. I wish that there was because we would find that answer and and, right. and write a book. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. and write a book exactly. Right. And give it to people and be like, "Here, this is what you need. Yeah. You just need this book." <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, okay, so um, I know one of the things that we did last time that I really enjoyed is we talked about the people that we follow on Twitter. So mine uh, this week that I wanted to share is actually not um, like a serious educational one, um, but it is one that I think can help uh, when you're feeling like, man, I need a little bit of positivity. I need a little bit of maybe silliness. So the one that I'm going to share today is Thoughts of Dog. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find them at dog underscore feelings. And I just want to really quickly, I'll just share one of their last um, thoughts. It's, it's a picture of a dog. And he says, I had a long talk with my friend about how to spot a fake ball throw. The optimal strategy is to follow the ball with your eyes instead of your heart. <laughs> yeah. I and love it. I love. I'm, I'm pulling that up right. I'm literally following this right now, and it, it's great. And it, it's like a different. They do different punctuation, and like instead of friend, they say F R E N, like friend. Like it's like it's supposedly like in this voice of a dog, but it's. I mean, <laughs> there's days where like I will be scrolling. I'm like, man, I'm having a crummy day, and then I see this thoughts of dog, and I'm like, okay, all right, the world's not so bad today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
on on that front, mine uh, for that because I do the same thing. I need something to to break it up. I follow educators that inspire me every single day. I um, follow my local news to to see what's going on and. Um, just out of the blue, I follow an account that is Andrew Luck, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Someone okay. has a spoof account where he is a Civil War general. And every week they tweet yep. about Man, their right. game. And it's in the, the you know, speak of the time. And they and they talk about what's actually happening. So if the Colts are playing the Texans that week, they talk about um, you know their 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 opponent, the enemy, and and you know Mr. Watt from Houston is our is whatever. And and so it's just it's the way it's worded, and the picture of Andrew Luck photoshopped as a Civil War general is hilarious. And it just breaks up my day, and it puts a smile on my face. I don't care where you're at, what you're doing, it will put a smile on your face. Um, That's awesome. So, what is what's the? I gotta look on my brain. Yeah, I gotta find the exact. Um, I probably this is some this is some uh, quality media here as we're both looking on our phones. But, uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but um, let me find okay. the. It's at Captain Andrew Luck. C-A-P-T, at C-A-P-T, Andrew Luck, and it is just the greatest. This picture is awesome. Yes. (laughs) And they all start, dearest mother. (laughs) Dearest mother, I've received your care package of sugared beef and care badger shit. It's like, what? All right. Yep. This one's going on. Yeah. It's, it's by far my favorite. Um, so yeah, I mean, I follow a ton of amazing educators that I learn from every day. Like the, the folks I was talking about earlier, uh, Jake Miller and I mean, um, yeah, Jake Miller and Matt Miller and Casey Bell, all the Google folks that just do a whole lot of Google stuff. They're fantastic to follow, but sometimes you need that, that piece to kind of break it up and, and just laugh. I like the way you say break it up. You know, it's, I think it's um, one of those things that we don't do often enough, especially as we get older, because we, we just pile it on and we're like, no, this is what it means to be an adult. I got to charge ahead all the time and I got to be this and I got to be this. But I think having moments like that are just as important as the moments where we are charging ahead and we are making plans. I'll tell you uh, one of the best, some of the best advice that I could have gotten was I was talking to a colleague of mine when I was in the classroom, and um, I was I was stressed. I it was end of the year. I was organizing graduation and prom, and we did a robing ceremony, and and plus uh, all my kids were doing you know all of their 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 finals and all these other things that were going on. It was just I was extremely stressed and. One of my colleagues said, you have to take time for yourself every day because um, she came into my classroom. It was during my lunch period and I was working. I had, you know, a sandwich in my hand, but I was I was working the whole time. And um, and she said, just promise me you'll take 10 minutes tomorrow. And the next day I did. I I went to like Yahoo or 
ABC News or something. And honestly, I read more like entertainment news for about uh-huh. 10 minutes and ate my lunch and then got back to work and I was so refreshed. Uh-huh. I felt so great. And it got to a point where I do that almost every single day. I, I, ha- I find it sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 15, you know, um, sometimes I have a little bit more time, but uh, I kind of take a little bit of time for myself, distract myself with something, you know, read about uh, uh, TV or movies or whatever sports. And, and it's, it, it really helps me get through everything and it really makes my day better. You know, and I think it has to be something where we as a society or as a workforce or whatever, we have to say it's not taboo to do that. You know, like it's it's okay to like in certain circumstances, obviously, like if you're like a crossing guard, you probably shouldn't be looking at thoughts of dog as, you know, <laughs> although it'd be funny to, to read it, you know, you, you got to pay attention. But I do think we need to to allow that to be okay. Like I think you know, and I don't think it's said enough. Like, I think the things that we take for granted, we're like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, yeah, you need to do that. You need to take mental health days. You need to have these breaks in the day. Like, I think we know that, but again, I don't think it's said enough out loud. No. Like we, all the things that we feel sometimes that we think they're not said enough out loud. And I, I, I think that has something else to do with uh, getting more people to do these things, to get on Twitter. If they know, look, they're, they're saying something that really matters and they keep saying it again and again and again, and they're not letting it be something that's taboo or hushed or you can't say it. And I'll tell you, we struggle with that. We all educators struggle with that. Like you said, it needs to not be taboo. Um, But man, our kids struggle with it even more Uh because you talk about seven, eight periods a day of straight bell to bell instruction, because that's what we're doing. We're, Uh using every minute that we have to teach our kids. Sometimes we need to build in breaks and just have some authentic discussions with them. Um, one of my favorite days, my first year teaching, I learned so much. Um, it was, I wasn't even my first full year. I was a substitute. Uh, right after I graduated college, I had a long-term sub job at the school I wound up teaching at for years. And, um, we had testing. It was tax test that week, which you remember wall to wall testing for four straight days. Five, you know, the fifth day was kind of a half day type of thing. And that last day we went back to class for the last period of the day. And I had lessons. And in my mind as a substitute, I was thinking I have to teach these kids. This is an instructional time. I need to be in there teaching. And I was so tired from the week and I know the kids were tired because they had been testing all week. Um, I needed some shoes. Yeah. And so I told, I picked, I said, I need to buy some shoes this weekend. Someone go to my computer, pull it up on the board, and let's find me some shoes. And we <laughs> spent a class period buying me tennis shoes. And at the end, and we literally voted. It was, and it, it was a class discussion about why I should pick these white shoes over these red shoes. And um, it was so much fun. And I went, and we voted at the end, and I purchased them online at the end of the class and wore them the next week. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, right? Like that's, they were involved in your life in a way that you actually you, you wore the things that they said you should buy. Exactly. And that next week, when that class came back, 
I realized that the rapport that I had with those kids was completely different than it was the week before. Yeah. Um, and, and it was just, it, it made me learn that you need to build some breaks in, you know, we have content to teach and work through and, and we want our students to learn, but sometimes you just got to stop and talk and, right. and build that in with the kids as well as for yourself. Right. You're absolutely right. Like, yes, it's serious work that we have to do. It's your education is serious. But if all I do is get up there and say, here's a material, here's a material, here's a material, go on to the next grade, go on to the next grade, go on to the next grade, you've graduated, good luck, right? Because the the hard reality for, I think, a lot of our students, and I dealt with it more when I had seniors, is the amount of support and the amount of safety and security that happens in our school years from you know kindergarten to senior year of high school, like the day that you graduate, like it's, I mean, it's gone, right? Like it's, it's real, no matter which direction you go in, it's real. And so if you don't build in those kind of moments where it can, it can be something more, right? Where that kid can say, you know what? Yes, I learned all that I needed to learn in the content, but I also learned what it meant to be a compassionate person, what it meant to listen to somebody, what it meant to be part of somebody's life that was outside of my own, even when it seemed out of place. And again, it goes back to that. We have to say it's not taboo. I'm, I'm saying it right now. That, what you did, is not taboo. It's not wrong. I think it's great. Yeah, that's so well said. Yeah. So want to build relationships with your kids? Have them pick out some shoes for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what kind of shoes did you get, by the way? Do you remember? They were some Puma, some white Pumas that I, I literally had up until about a year ago. They finally oh. they finally wore out. They were about uh, eight years old. And so they finally wore out. They were done. Listen, if Puma is watching our podcast right now, that's your next advertisement. Seriously, just a classroom of kids like debating, like, yeah, pick this Puma, pick this Puma. Like that's that's a commercial. I would I would buy some Pumas right there. That's you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It was. (laughs) uh, I I mean, seriously, I wasn't even a full time teacher. I was still a sub, and it was one of the funnest days I've ever had in the classroom. Um, Funnest class period, single class period, because it was right there at the end of the day, and it was. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. And those kids will remember it. You know, they might be, you know, some event later on. They're like, man, I had this one guy and I remember we and like that's the stuff they remember most of the times. You know, it's not like, oh, we did this really great, you know, lesson on grammar. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was great, but you're going to remember the the goofy stuff and the things that brought people together. Yeah. Um, And if that's not education, then then what is? Uh, Yeah, you're right. And, you know, there's some, when we talk about who to follow and, and people to look at, um, when you look at a guy like Dave Burgess, if you're not following Dave Burgess, uh, go read Teach Like a Pirate and see mm-hmm. what he does. He takes the, uh, the engagement that I had with kids buying Pumas and puts it into class daily. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing what some of these people can do. And, and like you said, you, when you build that environment, that's what they remember. Well, he creates lessons that they remember, you know, Hmm. dressing up as historical figures and doing stuff like that. I always think of the Saved by the Bell episode where the guy came in and dressed up as Abe Lincoln, you know, I, I I love that episode. It's great. He came in, gave the speech, he walked out. Um, so, you know, uh, that's, that's another caveat of ways to look at things. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. 
Well, cool. Well, I, what, what else you got? Anything else? Um, I think that we're, that's pretty good. It's um, pretty good. I, I'll Gotta tell you, it. when you're talking about, uh, you know, all of our listeners, this is therapeutic for me. This is a yeah. great reflection and, and way for me to uh, kind of just feel great about my job. Yeah. You know, um, when we talk about some of the great things that we can do and, and some of the stuff that, um, could be happening and, and that we're working towards, it's, it's really exciting. We have really exciting roles and, uh, doing something like this is, is a lot of fun to be able to put that all together. No, I agree with you. Like, I, like, I know that there are assessments that I can be writing and there's, there's things that I can be doing right now. But to me, this is important. This is equally, if not more important, because one, I don't get an opportunity to just talk like this. You know, like even in the workday, it's like, it, it seems, you know, even in the workday, it seems superficial sometimes because like, you know that that person has to go somewhere. Like, you know, you bump into them in the hall, you know, who knows where they're going, you know, and you're like, hey, how you doing? You know, like what's going on? You know, this is a little bit more, it's not, I wouldn't even call it structured. It's just a way for us to, just kind of unwind and then put all this out there and say, you know, this is, this is worth talking about. I mean, that's what our talk worth is about. This that, is, that is we're exactly, going to talk about it. Yeah. That is exactly what it, what it is because we talk about reflection and, and all the things that are important for students and for teachers. I mean, this is, this is ours more. I, I think we should be doing more of this. Um, you know, we, and the next time we talk, we might get more into uh, talking about synth that yeah. you've been playing with a lot. That's really, really cool. Um, and so I, I love this. I, I really do. It's awesome. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, it's low stakes, you know, it does, it's, there's nothing, but you know, if somebody doesn't like it, they just don't watch, yeah. you know, and if they do like it, they find out how they can do it, you know? And I think that would be the biggest compliment, you know, like even if we only have 10 listeners, but if five of them go out there and start their own and, and they're like, Hey, I, I saw these guys doing it and I thought I could do it. So I did it. So we're in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I would love that. So, 